0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rullo, and today I'm so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. He is Philip Devorak, and his winning book is titled Recovery Church His Story How Your Stories Became God's Stories, How Thousands of Men and Women Have Found Faith and Recovery. Pastor Phil Dvorak is the founder and president of Recovery Church Movement. He has served as a pastor, church planter, and as a ministry executive. However, his passion for those impacted by addiction is palpable. He co-authored a 30-day recovery guide with Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of Meyer Clinics, and Dr. Jared Pingleton, vice president, American Association of Christian Counselors. He is ordained by the Christian and Missionary Alliance and a licensed mental health counselor. He's personally served thousands of individuals. Phil's treatment curriculums have been published and implemented by a number of treatment centers across the country. He has a passion to see people recover from the disease of addiction and be a part of the solution to this crisis in our nation. He is a devoted father, husband, and servant leader. Phil and his wife, Sarah, have five children, and I'm so interested to find out more. Welcome to the network, Phil.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure, and congratulations on the Firebird Book Award win.
1: Oh, Thank you. We're so excited.
0: Good. I was excited to share that bit of news with you myself. Well, listen, before we get into your book, tell us about Recovery Church so our listeners uh, at least have a bit of an understanding about your church and your work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Recovery Church started about a decade ago as a hobby on the side. With very little vision, um, very just, we saw a need in South Florida that there was a gap between, um, our more traditional churches, um, and the rooms of recovery. And we were seeing people, um, dying from addiction, um, without an opportunity to explore their faith further and, um, without finding a path of recovery. And so we kind of created this church service in the middle of the week in South Florida, just saying, Hey, we're going to, give people an opportunity to find those two things, find the path of recovery and continue to grow in their faith. And it kind of exploded and became this beautiful, wonderful mess. Um, and we were okay with that for a number of years. And then about four years ago, um, God made I had one of those God moments and he made it very clear that, that I was going to be doing this full time. And I left my job and we started saying yes to planting new recovery churches and these churches for people in recovery, by people in recovery. And we went from that one location to two to three to four to eighteen to, to now we're close to forty of these little recovery churches in over a dozen states and growing rapidly. And so it's just become this this beautiful place that people are able to experience God and find their faith and find a path of recovery.
0: Oh I love organic beginnings. Those <laughs> yeah, aren't those the best?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I could not have planned what God has done and what um, this beautiful, beautiful thing that that has come from this. I mean, to see people come from addiction and just feeling, you know, that life had no meaning and no purpose and not only recovering, but feeling that not only God wants to to, to maybe save them or restore them, but man, he wants to use me to help others. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing that that god has been doing
0: for sure were you a pastor when this began to formulate in your mind when you saw the need did you have an addiction background was there someone in your family or or, or a close group like how did you marry these two together why did that strike you
1: yeah all of the above um but, so i had my own journey it, it probably took me longer than most to realize that that i had a problem. With alcohol, um, I, I thought I could drink like a gentleman, and I had freedom in my face that okay, there would be no problem with that. Um, but there was. But also, I had a brother who had a ten-year head start uh, on his addiction journey, so I was always kind of hiding in his shadow of uh, his journey of addiction and, and recovery, and and mine always seemed to pale in comparison to to what he was going through. Um, and then I I went and got my degree as a, a therapist, so I have a master's in counseling, as well as an ordained pastor. And so the, the two worlds always just kind of kept colliding and kept being, you know, my own my own recovery journey. And then I'm in South Florida here, and there are more treatment centers and halfway houses, and there are McDonald's, and so it just became kind of a natural collision that I think God put us on that course. Mm-hmm.
0: I hope you don't mind my asking that personal question, but I think that it, it lends so much more to those. You know, you walked that path, and you saw it, and you felt it, and you came out of it. It just gives you so much more that you can share with others because you've experienced it yourself.
1: No, I, there's something, you know, powerful when people understand, uh, me too, that you're in this as well, that you, you've had some of this experience at least, but it's not, you know, they're not alone on this journey. And when they, you know, we just had like a, a, we have a, we put on some conferences for our church leaders across the country. So we just had 160 of our church planners come together in Nashville, and it was the first year we had um, some of the families really joining us. And it was, it was a beautiful object lesson in front of people of not only does this affect one person, but the entire family, and seeing this model of. You know, life's being restored, and oh wow, you, you're you are on this journey as well. But your family and your kids have been restored. It's just it's just a beautiful example in front of people.
0: Absolutely. And you talk about planting a church. I love that image that I get in my mind because I'm I'm seeing roots into the ground mm-hmm. and I'm seeing growth. It's just the perfect word.
1: Yeah, you know, rather than, cause we're not building buildings. That's not what we're, we're doing when I say planting a church. We're, we're finding like-minded people in a community and we're raising them up and training and providing support and help. And over time, this community develops, this family develops and it starts to just become a part of that, that community. And so, I mean, in any town across this country, um, there are AA meetings and NA meetings and other 12-step fellowships, and there are larger churches that are present. But there are times people are just not quite fitting completely in either group, and they might go to a 12-step fellowship and, and feel uncomfortable expressing their Christian faith, or they might go to a church and feel uncomfortable really being vulnerable about their journey of recovery. And so by providing this space, they, they're they allowed to really express fully um, their journey, and allow uh, an avenue for other people to go on that same path. And um, and it's just really beautiful what is happening. We're seeing, we're you know, we're having a big dinner coming up, and we're inviting people in. And one of the one of the stories that's being that's being told, who's in the book, um, his name is Chris, and we call him Crispy. But there's a long story with that. But he he was an atheist, and now um, he has become a person of faith and, and long-term sobriety. But what's beautiful at this dinner is his daughter is flying in and she's going to share her perspective of not having a father. And now because of his involvement in recovery church and finding faith and finding recovery, um, and introduce her father and then allow him to, to, to share his part of the story and to share what it means now to have her father back in her life. And, and that's what we're seeing happening. We're seeing life restored and, and, and just amazing, amazing transformations take place.
0: Wow. How powerful is that to bring that relationship together and and kind of close that gap?
1: It's all him. That's why we call it his story, because we're just trying to say yes to the next faithful thing, because we couldn't have written this script. It was, you know, it, it was obviously something greater than us, obviously God who was who was doing this.
0: So as you were experiencing more and more of these stories, is that what prompted you to put this into a book form?
1: Yeah I just feel um, history has a way of changing over time and I felt you know we need to memorialize what God is doing um, before before if you know if God blesses us with even more substantial growth that would spread even more there's all these other pressures at times to to go into different directions and to do different things and I just wanted to write down, you know what, this is what God has done and is doing and let's get these stories down so people can see it and we can kind of remember our roots if that makes sense. We can remember where he's taken us from and the humble beginnings of meeting in rooms with no AC and, and, you know, just, you know, just starting with, with no resources and no support. And so if he does provide and we go to a a larger and bigger direction, we never forget where we started from Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely so tell us about the book give us a peek yeah so um
1: it's really quite simple um you know just explaining the 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 vision so of recovery church so god laid on my heart um this idea of recovery church a church for people in recovery by people in recovery but i wasn't sure if it was a good idea Honestly, I struggled with the idea. Uh, theologically, I struggled with the idea. Practically, I mean, you can't talk about a messier, harder thing, um, than planting churches with people newly in sobriety as they're working through all their own issues. And I'm like, God, do you really want this? And so, and he made it abundantly clear that this would bring him honor, that this was a, a good thing. And so we tell that story of how that unfolded. And then we move into just sharing individual stories, raw. Um, we honestly, when people sent in their stories, all we did was grammatically um, make corrections of that nature, but left them 99% how they sent them in, even if they were very short, very long. Um, if they were a part of our recovery church family, we just wanted their stories to be shared. Um, and so people could experience what it was like to to be lost and, and be found and now have a purpose in helping others. And we just want to, so the the book goes through multiple stories and then concludes with the vision that we believe God is giving us for the future of Recovery Church, to see a recovery church in every city in this nation and beyond. Uh, some of the stories are just powerful, like I shared with Crispy. And then from, from we have lawyers who are a part of our community down to people who are, are just starting the journey and they're living in transitional living and and, and trying to figure out how to make it day by day. And so it just really gives a a broad mosaic of what a church can look like.
0: And I would imagine that as this continues to grow, obviously there's going to be more and more stories. There could be more and more books.
1: Of course. We would actually want to do that additional volumes just to continue to allow people, because There's something powerful when a person shares their story. It connects with a a part of our heart, a part of our soul. Um, You can't... You can argue with some theology. You can argue with someone's politics. You can argue with all those things. But when they share, hey, this is what's happened to me, um, and this is what I did, and how my life has changed, there's no argument in that. That's just beautiful. And it can connect to... Someone else might be in a similar situation or go and give them hope of, oh, wow, I can connect with the way this person felt or this person thought. And so as many as we possibly can share of, of lives that have been transformed, that's what we want to do. We want to give people an opportunity again to, to find that path of recovery and find that relationship with God. And so however we're able to get that message out, we want to make sure it gets out there. Mm-hmm,
0: absolutely. Um, so, what kind of feedback have you been getting from readers?
1: Well, everyone so far ha- has loved every, you know, what they have, what they have heard, and you know, we really haven't done a hard release yet. Where we have that big dinner, and that's going to be a real release, real push. And so, it's been a very soft launch right now. Um, but everyone so far has just been really inspired. We've had some parents. Who have just been, you know, saying that this gives them hope for the future of their, their child, their their prodigal or their 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 addict alcoholic who's still out there struggling. That you know there is hope for a future. We also are getting people, many people reaching out saying, "Hey, can can you help us start a recovery church here in our town?" And our answer is always yes. Let's let's figure out how. Um, and so so far, it's been a beautiful response. Wow.
0: Talking about starting a recovery church, um, let's let's. Dig into that just for a moment. What's the process for that? Uh, is there vetting? How do, you, how do you accomplish that?
1: Yeah, so the first part, you know, I always I kind of like to say you dance before you get married. And so um, we're, we're going to dance with a, a person or a church that reaches out to us and and go through a process of vetting. We have some basic broad stroke values that we say are non-negotiables. And, and those are very, you know, very recovery-centric values. And then, as a Christian organization, we have some basic Christian doctrine that we say, hey, these are our non-negotiables that make us uniquely Christian. Um, there's other great ministries out there, other great things out there, but this is who we're, we are. And so we make sure we're in alignment with whoever reach out, reaches out to us. And those are, you know, anyone from a, from whatever, you know, from a high church to a low church, from a charismatic to, to um, you know, to more reserved churches will fit within those broad strokes that we that we have. Um and so we have recovery churches that are that are connected to any mainstream denomination you can think of. And so we meet, we talk, we go over those values, we go over the the processes and then we do some background checks and then we just start to resource and train. And once we once we get a team, we need someone who is in long term recovery and um, someone who loves jesus and and once we get that team starting to be built um, we start then looking at the where the when and and those logistics and what's wonderful now because we have 40 or so you know going on 40 of these little churches the other recovery churches all love to come and support this new church especially if they're in you know proximity and so we've just started creating this Supportive family to help these these little pleasant churches get off the ground and, and get healthy and get strong.
0: Oh my. So, existing churches can add this component to their existing church, or do they fully become what's considered a recovery church?
1: Awesome. Yeah, great question. Um, both. Both are possible. You know, so many people are, and the number one cause of death in our nation for anyone under the age of 45, and sometimes they'll reach stats as high as 50, is, is a drug overdose. Uh, and so it, it, it's we're at a you know a pandemic. we're We're at a crisis point when you have three hundred people dying, three hundred young people dying every single day from their from a drug overdose, and that's not including alcoholism. That's not including car accidents and suicides related to addiction. Um, we have to get creative on how we how we allow things to happen. And so we have recovery churches that are structured that they're a ministry of, a local church. And then we have recovery churches that are completely independent um, and in partnership with local churches and communities, but they're their own nonprofit church in that community. And what's key to us is that we do have local church support um, that the community is buying in. And we don't have lone rangers out there that might have a chip on their shoulder or anything like that. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to bring unity between the church and the rooms and so um but however it needs to happen, sometimes the local church says, Hey, we really wanna get behind this, but we wanna hold it open handed and so let's build a team and eventually launch this out to be um its own church community and we're all for that and gonna be a hundred percent behind that. Sometimes they're saying, you know, because of the way our structure is, we wanna look at this as more of a campus and so we'll we'll set up campus pastors and of logistics, and then, you know what, you don't have to go get a new bank account. So you don't have to go get all these other things that you might when you start off on your own, and that can be good as well. Mm-hmm.
0: There is an expense to run one of these churches and pull people together.
1: desire is eventually that each recovery church becomes self-supporting. Um, there's a tradition within most 12-step fellowships that you become self-supporting, that you strive towards that. And that's the same here. That We're going to strive towards that. In the beginning, however, that's not always possible when we first start the patients. Um, you know, the average offering in most recovery churches is about a dollar a head. And <laughs> so um, it's a, you cover your coffee, and that's about it for, mm-hmm. for the night. Right. Um, so we do fundraising, and that's where hopefully the sales of the this book will help as well. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to helping these new churches uh, and supporting them. Um, and then we have fundraising dinner and fundraising on our website and, and those type of things to to get them going, get them established and also provide care in the long run. And so we, we provide to these locations what we call the care grant, um, and the, and the dream grant. And both of those, one is to get them dream it big. And hey, if money wasn't an object, what would, what would you do as a church? What, what do you need? Oh, well, we need live streaming equipment. Okay. And, and so we try to fundraise to get them that or, a care grant is more. Man, I, I'm working full time and doing this, doing this church plant, and my wife and I, we really need a, a, a marriage weekend together, and we need some counseling. And so we we provide that care and respite kind of for our church planners, and try to make sure that we're in the long game here, and we don't have people burn out and and, and fizzle out quickly. We want to make sure we're taking care of our team. Mm-hmm.
0: What's the average membership per church? It varies about? drastically, and most
1: of them start off very small and then slowly build. And when I say very small, I'm talking that they start out like I'm a part of one right now. We're starting in Jupiter Farms, Florida, here, and we average probably 12, 15 people. Um, and but we've been just going for a few weeks, and and we want to grow by attraction. And not so much promotion, and so through relationships and through discipleship and through sponsorship is how, how we grow, and so it takes time. Some of them grew large quickly just because of where they were located. So um, there were a lot of treatment centers around and a lot of halfway houses and a lot of meetings around. So like our, our Delray Beach Recovery Church is well over 200 people every week, and that happened quite rapidly um, I would say on average, most of them are probably around 30, 40 people. Um, and so any given week with the, the 40 locations, we probably have about 1,500 to 2,000 people who are gathering on any given, any given week right now. Um, and again, we're just growing. And so the, those numbers keep uh, getting higher every week.
0: Oh my, so beautiful. Such building communities and fellowship. You mentioned the statistics. Today are obviously increasing, so the need is growing rapidly for the kind of work that you're doing
1: yeah it's it, it's it's heartbreaking. There's yeah. rarely a week that goes by that there's someone I know that doesn't pass away uh-huh. um, or a family member, you know someone you know who has uh, and I sometimes refer to it as overdose. sometimes I, I talk about it as drug poisoning because mm-hmm. we're seeing people. Who might not meet the criteria as a clinician where you would diagnose them as dependency to, to a substance. Um, but they were more of a, someone who was experimenting and partying and they're going to parties and maybe they smoke an occasional, um, you know, joints or smoke some marijuana. And, um, what we're seeing happening now is those people are dying because of fentanyl and being on the same scale as what the, their, their equipment was. Um, where their drugs were being measured. And so we're seeing people who were just experimenting actually dying on a regular basis.
0: Wow. And now you're hearing about those skittle-colored, I don't know if it's fentanyl-laced, candy-looking things for young children. It's just insanity what's going on these days.
1: It is. I mean... Um, you know, oftentimes I fly into churches and when I try to cast vision in front of them and stuff, I go, hey, that plane I just flew on, that 737 I just flew on, you know. Holds about 180 people, you know, or whatever the number might be. And I'm like, you know, it was like two of those crashing today and everyone on board dying. Um, And then tomorrow and then the next day and every day. And if that was happening, we wouldn't be flying those planes anymore. We'd be doing something. And that's the time we're in right now. It's um you know in 2018 the stats and so obviously the numbers have gone up drastically since 2018 but when you add alcoholism and addiction worldwide it was about 4 million people a year mm. were dying from um alcoholism and addiction every year and those numbers have increased and so I mean 4 million uh, I think that's 10,000 a day I mean you take all these little towns across the country the entire town being wrapped and mm. you know, just wiped off it, it's it's heartbreaking and these aren't numbers these are these are our children these are it's, it does not discriminate it's not those people it is us Right.
0: Absolutely. Oh thank you for the work you're doing. It's just a beautiful beautiful thing I so appreciate it you know as we're speaking and I was thinking about your book uh, with all the stories that you have in there and the all the stories to come um, just as where my mind always is at is an audio I was thinking of you are doing a podcast. Where you could even interview some of these folks, or even talk about specific um, issues within a within a podcast. Well,
1: great minds think alike. We we do have a podcast for Recovery Church. We call it Studio RC or Studio Recovery Church. Okay. And and so we we have a, a pastor who does our online campuses. Just because there's people who who aren't able to make it to a, one of our traditional campuses, and so he has online services and has three. Um, a week, and then he does a podcast where he teaches through the 12 steps, and then we are starting what's called our, our stories um, series, and where we will start having people sharing their stories of hope um, as a part of that podcast as well.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to hear that, because there's so much to be gleaned from hearing a person's voice and the emotion, and what they have gone through is obviously amplified through through the tone of their voice, that you can't get on paper. So uh, I look forward to that. Keep me posted on that.
1: Oh, I will, definitely. Yeah.
0: All righty. So as we begin to wrap up, I want to make sure we're not missing anything or any angle of this that we haven't touched on.
1: No, I just really hope that people will get the book and they'll be encouraged by it. You know, I don't know of anyone who has not been impacted by addiction. Sometimes we don't recognize it as that. We'll think, oh, well, that's not my child, but it really is. Um, I'll, I'll share one quick story, if you don't mind. I, mm. I was meeting with a, a, a ministry leader years ago, who's well known in the community and, and sitting down and he made the statement, you know, Phil, so I really don't think I know anyone who's an addict or alcoholic. And, and, and I had just helped his son, um, get into a treatment center the week before. And I go, your, your son's in treatment right now. You know that, don't you? And, and, and I knew he knew that. And he goes, well, well, that's different. That's, that's different. Mm. And so sometimes in our culture, we, we don't understand that it's not different. This, it, it, it it's not those people that the, the struggle that your, your husband's going through or your daughter's going through or your wife's going through is not unique. And it's not just the people under the bridge. Um, It's all of us, and and I think that's important that we kind of break through that denial, especially when we're at the numbers that we're at currently in our culture, that something has to be done. It touches every element of our society. Um, you know, some people say, oh, it's not a political issue. Um, and it is, and so people need to research and look at all of those things that are playing a role into this. It touches our faith. It touches the medical system. It touches the political system. And and really we need a comprehensive plan and comprehensive actions that are going to help um, change the path we're on as a country, because we can't keep going in that direction. And Recovery Church tries to stay out of some of those more controversial issues the best we can, um, but there is hope and there is an opportunity for people to find freedom and to find a path of recovery, and if anyone is looking for that or want to connect with Recovery Church, the easiest way is just to go to our website, which is just recovery.church, um, the, and not .com, and recovery.church, the church is the .com, and so and there's tons of information there, and we'd be happy to, to talk to anyone and help anyone any way we can um, and, and through this journey.
0: Oh. Philip Dvorak, you are hope. Yeah. This is beautiful. Thank you for the work that you do. I'm so pleased that we found each other. I don't really recall how we did, but I'm happy that you submitted your book, Recovery Church, His Story, How Our Stories Became God's Stories, How Thousands of Men and Women Have Found Faith and Recovery. And what you are doing for humanity is a beautiful thing. And we can all do something for humanity. But as you mentioned, to realize it's not those people. It's all of us. Even if we don't have a family member or know of somebody, we're all family. We are all connected. We are all part of humanity. So anything that we can do to raise awareness or to help lift somebody up, it's our job to do that. And I'm so happy that you brought this out and came on the show today and shared with us. Thank you so much. Your website again is recovery.church.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the honor of this award and the honor of being able to share our story and what he is doing, his story, um, with you and your listeners today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much.